and the Oscar for Best Podcast Crossover involving two baseball podcasters goes to your pal Sully and Miller Thomas for Locked On MLB and Locked On Diamondbacks. Let's see the clip. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. baseball fans and welcome to one of my favorite nights of all the year although you're listening to this after it happened this is locked on MLB locked on Diamondbacks crossover we're recording this on the 12th day of March as we called it back in my native New England match of 2023 I am your host Paul Francis Sullivan please call me Sully I am an Emmy nominated I never won an Emmy-nominated television producer, and I have been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade. I've been about to begin my fifth full season here at the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. I've never been nominated for an Oscar. I could have. There were two separate years I did something that would have been Oscar eligible. Do you know what? They they snubbed me, Millard. They snubbed me. And who am I? Oh, by the way, follows at Lockdown MLB. Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Simon Sully Baseball Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast and Instagram. You probably know that already. And you also know who's right over here, my fellow nominee, Miller Thomas. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Sounds like we're taking home some awards this season. I'm feeling good. I never got to give a victory speech before, so we might have to save that for the end of the podcast. But before we get there, please follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And please hit subscribe to the award-winning YouTube channel, Locked on Diamondbacks. By the way, just for those of you who don't know, I am... I could very easily host Locked On Oscars. I've been an yeah. Oscar nut my whole life, and and I've kind of I like that they've they've rescheduled it to uh, March this year because there used to be a nice ebb and flow of my obsessions. That the baseball season starts would start at the end of March, beginning of April, and would go until October, and usually around November was when the f- studio started throwing all their big Oscar contenders in the screen, so they wanted them fresh yeah. in your mind. So November and December used to be Oscar season. It, everything's changed now because things are on streaming services and everything like that, so you didn't have that rush of Oscar films uh, between November and December, and and then I would get super into the Oscars. The Oscars would come out in mid-March, and then we'd go right into the baseball season. There was a nice ebb and flow um, that has been ruined by Netflix and Amazon and, and and films coming out there. But do you know what? I I, I still get into the Oscars. I have my little Oscar scorecard here Ooh. of all the films. I've seen all 10 Best Picture nominees. Um, and you know what I'm going to say? That this year's crop of Best Picture, where I'm bringing it back to baseball, kind of reminded me of this year's World Series mm. between the Phillies and the Astros. It was a good World Series. It had a couple of really big – the first game one, which is that wild back-and-forth game with a sliding catch in the the uh, the bottom of the ninth and JT Rio Muto hitting those home runs and everything like that. That was fun. That was a good game. You had the combined no-hitter, which was weird but still interesting. 
And then you had the Alvarez home run and the clincher. So you, there was a lot of good moments, but I don't think anyone would call last year's World Series a classic World Series. You mm-hmm. know, no one would say it's a great World Series. It was good. It was enjoyable. And I'm looking up and down at the best picture category and everything, and there were a lot of good movies. That was good. But there's not that one that sort of made me go, oh, man, just sort of really just stood out as a really, really great film of that bunch. But to be fair, kind of like the Hall of Fame vote, again, I'm trying to bring back to baseball, maybe we should have our Oscar votes like five years later. We see what films survive, what films, you know, because a lot of times you see like this film that you totally forgot about one best picture and these other movies that you really loved were the ones that survived the one we talked about so it's and maybe we'll look back at this world series and see oh that was really memorable this or that or maybe that's how we judge our hall of famers because we got got to give it a little bit of time to let it incubate but uh we're recording this before the start of the oscar so i don't know who won what um all i want i want kway kwan aka short round and indiana jones the temple of doom i want him to win because i want short round to win an oscar before indiana jones um, and uh, I Oops. and we're bouncing around the the videos blinking a little bit here so that we may, we may be going into the multiverse of everything everywhere all at once if we start having the googly eyes. That's what we know. But there you go. Do you see any of the movies there? Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is the movie that I've seen. I probably saw it at least five times. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? Yeah. Yeah, to bring it to the baseball reference, I think it might be the Houston Astros of this season. I think it might just run through all the awards and just completely sweep everything because I think it's like you go on FanDuel, it's like the overwhelming favorite to win basically every award. Yeah, I hope hope it wins a bunch. I hope it wins a bunch. But, hey – I want to bring up one other little thing because there's a big piece of baseball news that is that that uh, involves the Diamondbacks, and we're going to talk about that mainly in se- in segments two and three. Uh, so just you know, be patient right there because it's not just a Diamondback discussion. I think it's an overarching discussion of something that's happening in baseball that I think is positive. This is a positive day. Uh, the WBC is going on. Israel just beat Nicaragua. Um, that's interesting. Um, you know, I mean, there's elements of the, the World Baseball Classic that seem to be a lot of fun. Uh, by the way, who designed Great Britain's away uniforms? Uh, mm-hmm. they, they might as well have gone to the mall and got an iron-on. It was the – no effort was made. That was made in Microsoft Paint, Sully. I, I, I know. It was, it, was, it was just not even Photoshop, you know, just sort mm-hmm. of like throw something on there. I know – Great Britain is not going to be as flamboyant as some of our other countries, but you know, let's. Uh, That's why let's... they lost the war. That's why they lost the war, Sully. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 
It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmob. That's linkedin.com slash lockdownmob to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Maybe there's that was the that was the queen shutting it down. Maybe they're still in mourning. I don't know. But come on, throw a little color on there. Yeah, all the budget went to the funeral. They didn't have enough money to pay their designers. Well, you know, you saw like when the Who or Austin Powers would have that Union Jack jacket that they'd be wearing. Have them come out looking like that. Come on, the swing in London look. I don't know, but um, you know, there you see some of the fans that I love the the you know the way that. You know, some of the fans are doing their cheerleading and having their, their everything going on there. There is an element to the WBC that, you know, of the, I guess the idealistic version of me wants to see a team from a country, an unlikely country win. But the problem is, like, unlike the Olympics, when you see an Olympic team, you know those people are born and raised in that country. You're not going to have anyone... You know, I mean, I mean, it's going to be people who are proud of their country winning, you know, trying to play there. And there's sometimes a little bit of playing games uh, at the um, at the World Baseball Classic. For example, Team Italy won mm-hmm. and is advancing. And I'm, immediately I thought, whoa, as someone who is I have an Irish name, but I look exactly like my Italian grandfather. I'm Irish and Italian in descent. And I'm like, Italy, come on. I want to see Italy become a baseball powerhouse. And then I saw that Matt Harvey led Team Italy to, and they said, wait a minute, Matt Harvey? The dude who used to pitch for the Mets mm-hmm. is on Team Batman, Italy? Dark Knight. And then you look at the Italy roster, Vincenzo Aiello, born in America, Glenn Albanese Jr., born in America. Joe Benigni, born in America. Ryan Castellini, born in America. I mean, up and down, most of this team are, you know, are Italian-Americans mm-hmm. and not from Italy. And basically, take a look. Like, who's on the American team? Oh, boy, I don't have a shot, but I could play Team Italy. Um, you know, there's a couple of players who are there from Italy, but, you know, it's that's – I don't know. It was a little disappointing to me when I saw like, oh, this is basically an American minor league team. Yeah. You know, whose whose players end with a vowel. That's kind of how it's been too with like the Olympic basketball team. It's kind of like the one drop rule. If you have like a parent that's like from another country or like any of your ancestors have been from that place, like they don't care. They pretty much open up all rules and regulations where you could play for any country as long as you got the one drop rule. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, it just it doesn't go with the spirit of it. But I'll tell you who, what does go with the spirit of it. All right. There, there is a um, uh, a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's a young pitcher who is actually uh, – he's, he's just about my son's age, which is amazing. He's how old I am. And his name is Alessandro Ercolani. And I he is on the Italian team. 
and he is not from America, nor Brazil, nor the Dominican Republic. There's a couple of Brazil Dominican Republic. But here's what fascinates me about him, because he is in he is currently in the um the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. He pitched uh he actually pitched well in the Florida Coast League uh last year. He had a 1.19 ERA in 10 games. You know, it's a short, it's a short uh rookie league uh, you know, as a as a teenager thrown to a 1.19 ERA in a professional league. I don't care who's playing. Um, that's pretty good. A little too many walks, but he struck out 39 in 30 in the third innings. Here's what I find fascinating about him. He was he also was not born in Italy. Okay. He was born in San Marino. Do you know where San Marino is? California. No, it's on the Italian boot. Oh. And the in the Italian boot, you know, the uh the, mm-hmm. the peninsula is shaped like a boot. There's actually three countries in that boot. The main one is Italy, okay, obviously. Then there's Vatican City, which is there for reasons we won't get into. It's its own separate country, so the Pope has his own country. doesn't have to deal with it. But Italy used to be made up of all of these, these city-states. We're talking way back in Romeo and Juliet time. And, like, you know, Verona was its own city-state. Venice was its own city-state. And San Marino was. And when they all unified to become the Italian Republic, San Marino said, we're good. We're staying our own country. We're not part of Italy. Yet, we have our own rules. And guess what they have there? A kick-ass racetrack. Formula One racetrack right there. one It's kind of like Monte Carlo. It's like this big, glamorous little Italian city. We said, oh, by the way, we're our own country. We got our own government. It's about the size of Tucson, but it's its own country. And Alessandro Ercolani is a native of San Marino and pitched on the San Marino team and is now representing Team Italy because I think he would be, if San Marino tried to put together a team, it would be Alessandro Ercolani and his next-door neighbor. But here's why I'm rooting for Alessandro Ercolani. A, no nickname on that guy. Do you know why? Because if your name is Alessandro Ercolani, guess what? That's what you're going to be called. But I want him to go skyrocketing through the pirate system. I want him to make the major leagues. I want him to be the guy to put San Marino on the map and pitch his way to the major leagues. And he's in the World Baseball Classic because of Italy, and I guess it's because they, he'll join Italy in this case. But I, I'm going to keep my eye on you, Alessandro Ercolani, because I want you to come up. I want you to pitch for the Pirates. The four or 500 people living in San Marino. How, how many people live in San Marino? i got to find that out. i got to find out how many people live there. But I want him to do – to make them proud – Make them proud. And if nothing else, San Marino, a country in Europe, if nothing else, I want him to make people, when I said San Marino, you just went, whoop, no idea where that was. It is a country in Europe. And there you go. It's a mountainous microstate surrounded by North Central Italy. It's one of the world's oldest republics. Some of the uh, great architecture, population, population. 33,000. Wow. That's a mediocre crowd at Dodger Stadium. 
But here we go. Yeah, I play this game at work called Wordle, not Wordle, but Wordle. They gave you like a little country outline, and you have to guess where it is in the world. My yep. first guess for now on, I'm putting San Marino to see San if Marino that's every game. time. Every and looking time. at the pirate system real quick, top thirty prospects. Alessandro's not in here, so we're we're sh- we're showing some love. We're we're he's ahead 18. of the scouts on this he's, one. He's 18 years old, rookie league, pitching his heart out for Team Italy. Let's go, let's go. And let me just tell you something. Look at I I I don't have him down as the top prospect in baseball, oh. but I think he is going to be just give the Pirates a little boost of energy oh. when he makes it up there. And if you need a boost of energy, guess where you got to go? Got to go to a built bar. The built March Madness bracket is here, and you know you have a favorite bar. Do you? Who's your favorite bar? I love the little brownie batter or maybe a cookies and cream. Yeah, they're really good. I love the pu- the puffs are pretty good. Mm. I, you know I love the raspberry, the mint chip. Uh, now, here's your time to make a count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I'm going to be voting for raspberry. If it's on there, I'm going to put it in there. But if you want the, you know, but if, if you want to have your bar win, that's mm-hmm. where you go to, to BuiltMarchMadness.com. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of Built Bar, not valid in San Marino. Not only that, but one locked-on fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try Built. Built is the best protein bar ever, ever, ever. You don't believe me? Why would I lie to you? Seriously, they're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. What makes Built Bars and Puffs so good? The stars are all high on protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. That's right. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com. And when you're there, sing the song, Built Bars. Vote for them. Hey, we're here with Millard Thomas. Welcome yeah. to Locked on San Marino. Um, I got to just sort of say, you know, you and I have been doing these crossovers for about a year or so. And sometimes we talk about the uh, uh, Diamondbacks, sometimes we don't. But there's a real honest to goodness reason to talk D-backs. Yes. And I'm going to I'm going to hand the. I'm going to hand the reins over to you. For those of you who have, have been just so hooked on Israel versus Nicaragua in the World Baseball Classic, uh, fill in, people, what's going on? Why am I bringing the D-backs up right now? That's because the D-backs are the top headline in Major League Baseball right now, which we don't get to say often because they just came to a record-breaking extension with Corbin Carroll because he is the first player in Major League history with less than 100 days of Major League service time to sign a nine 
figure deal. That is Corbin Carroll, the number two prospect in all baseball, according to MLB.com. And according to FanDuel, the unanimous favorite to win the NL Rookie of the Year. Now, for Corbin Carroll and the D-backs, this is a great extension, I believe, because for the D-backs, you get to lock up the best prime years of Corbin Carroll. This is someone that's a speedster, an elite athlete, and he's someone that's probably going to slow down as he enters his late 30s because he's currently the fastest player in baseball, but he can't be the fastest player in baseball until he's 37 years old. So for the D-backs, he's currently 22 years old, and you're paying him for his peak years, ages 22 to about 31. You're paying for the best years of Corbin Carroll, and it could be a complete value bargain if Corbin Carroll hits his ceiling. You're going to pay him between 14 and 18 19 million dollars annually for a guy that could be an all-star plus potential guy that's what we project him out to be that's his caliber his ceiling and for Corbin Carroll you get this built-in security right if you are super good and you are good right away then you don't have to go through those arbitration years where you're super undervalued and you know if you get hurt you're not making that long-term money you get the security if you're Corbin Carroll you get your money up front and maybe over the long term of the deal maybe it's a little bit undervalued annually, but you're probably not making that much money on the front end of it, at least. Mm-hmm. You're just probably getting a little bit less money on the back end. But for both sides, you lock in your superstar of the future for the foreseeable future. Only him and Kevta Marte are like on the books past 2025. So the D-backs locking up a bunch of their core dudes. All of them on really good contracts. Ketel Marte is only making about $15 million a year annually as well. And I just love this for the D-backs fans. Of course, there's still some risk built in because, like I said, Corbin Carroll has only played 32 major league games in his career. So there's still a world where he's not maybe the guy that we expected him to be. But I don't see how Corbin Carroll is not at least a solid major league player. I don't think he could be the fastest player in baseball. I don't think he could be one of the best defensive players of baseball. I don't think he could have the hit tools that he has and not at least be like a 290 contact hitter that steals 30 bases every year. I don't think there's a world where Corbin Carroll is not at least a solid major league player. And still paying that dude $50 million a year, I think this is a steal for the D-backs. Corbin Carroll gets his money, and I think D-backs fans everywhere should rejoice. I think, yeah, you hit a couple of points. First of all, for him, he's getting, he gets to be a millionaire up front. Yeah, the, right the now. D-back, the D-backs have no obligation to make him a millionaire right now. Mm-mm. None. And so when you're going through, he's what, 22, 23 years old? And yeah. you look up and say, hey, you're a millionaire. Your, your dream of being, you know, it's, it's not a situation where we're going to look up and say, you, we're not doing that horrible dance where it's like, well, it turns out he has to go to the minor leagues until May 1st because he needs a, just a little more season on the chicken bone there. No, they're coming right out and they're saying, we're, we're, you know, we believe in you. And so he's getting paid ahead of time. And this is mm-hmm. and the point you're making, and I think it's a great one, is that, yeah, it, the, the risk is he could become, you know, a, a Bryce Harper level player. And it would be worth $20, $30 million on the open market. Mm-hmm. Sure. The other risk is, and he knows this, he could bomb. He could get yeah. hurt. He could slump. I mean, we've seen players who come up and have great starts or look really terrific that don't quite work out. And he knows that if that happens, he's getting paid. And so there's that risk for the Diamondbacks. And the risk-reward is... Oh, but if he turns out to be a superstar, we don't have to dismantle the freaking team. And so, uh, what? And and 
the, the other great point you're making here, and I'm going to I'm going to talk about this on a much larger scale because I think the Diamondbacks are showing they're learning from another franchise right now. But I'll, I'll, we'll stick specifically to D-backs right now before we get to the larger philosophy. We saw that the Diamondbacks had developed a homegrown MVP caliber player in Goldschmidt and yep. saw that explode in their face where they had to trade him off to St. Louis. All right. D-back fans know that, all right, where the team is at least trying to put together a foundation yep. and not a quick fix foundation, not a, a reckless, oh, we're going to go and try to sign this player or that player when they're not ready. No, you know Marte is going to be a very good player for the next bunch of years. And you also know that um, uh, um, Carroll <laughs> has all – I'm sorry, it took me a second. And, yeah. You know, Carroll has all of the tools – to be a potential all-star. And so you know that if you're, you know, if you're trying to create a foundation, you know that some of the supporting pieces are going to change no matter who you are. But you got to have that core in there. And so right now they're telling their fans, hey, when we're developing a player, it's not to farm them out. It's not to send them off for, you know, for parts. And so for the Diamondback fans, they must feel that there's something positive about that for the Diamondbacks themselves, for the team themselves to look up and say, oh, we're actually going to try to do something instead of there. It must be just an incredible amount of disappointment when you go into a year going like, we're going to stink this year, aren't we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's good is going to get shipped off. Okay, here we go. Play ball. Yay. You know, especially when you're in a division where, you know, for so long, San Francisco was so good and Los Angeles has been so great over the last decade and a half and San Diego is trying to put together to come on and say, hey, hey, there are three wildcard spots. Why not us? And someone told me, I don't know if you know this, I looked this up, for a period of time, the Diamondbacks actually passed the Giants in the state. Oh, yeah. Did someone tell you that? Yeah, I think um, for this deal, I think it, I think it covers both the risk and the upside of Corbin Carroll because I was kind of nervous about giving Corbin Carroll an extension just because he's had such a small sample size on the major league level. So I was kind of nervous about what the number was going to be. Was it going to be like a Wander Franco, Julio Rodriguez type deal where you get 20, 20, 20, we get like 20 to 25 million a year. I thought that would have been way too much for Corbin Carroll considering what we've already seen from him. Of course, I think he could be a player that's worth 20, 20 to 25 million but from the sample size that we saw i thought that would have been too much money if we gave him that money up front right now i would have wanted to see a full season a major league service time from corbin carroll before we gave him that kind of deal but i think the value that we gave him just fits everything perfectly because you don't give him too much money you're not breaking the bank with corbin carroll but at the same time if he is someone that turns into a superstar type player, you're getting him on a major value, on a major bargain of a deal. And you're just taking away all worries and doubts from D-backs fans. You don't have to think about, are we going to have to do this arbitration dance every season? Or are we going to somehow build a riff with Corbin Carroll? Because when you go into those arbitration hearings, those teams have to lay out all the reasons why this player shouldn't be paid. And players say it's not personal, it's just business. But it's hard to not get emotional when you hear that your team ripping you 
down in these negotiations to not get you paid. So you get to take away all that with Corbin Carroll. You get to lock him in with security, and you know he's going to be here for the next eight years. No worries about his contract or extension or anything like that. Breaking the bank for Corbin Carroll. You know what he's going to be. You know he's going to be here, and that's why it's such a satisfying feeling. And think about what that means when, you know, as I said, you're getting rich quicker. You may get more rich later, or you may not. It's kind of the, you know, I've made the analogy. It's a deal or no deal. You open up that suitcase and all right, that's not the biggest value, but it's also not a $2 bill. You know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're going to walk away with, you know, more money than you can ever spend in your life. But also, I mean, think about what you just said there. We mentioned this a little bit with when we talked about um, San Diego. Again, we're going to talk about this specifically uh, in, in segment three. But you circumvent the nastiness of the arbitration. You yeah. circumvent what that does that you, by definition, you have to have an antagonistic relationship with ownership. Let's do away with that. I don't like arbitration. Well, it's so disgusting. Well, well, here's the deal. Um, and again, this is this is not going to go a super long history lesson from your pal Sully, but arbitration was necessary before free agency because everyone could just the players couldn't go to free agency. They were they were the reserve clause. The team could just renew their contract, and they also didn't know what other players were making. So the A's could sign a player for this amount of money. The Yankees or the Red Sox could sign for this amount of money. They wouldn't know what it was. And there was no, any level of uniformity to what, you know, to what Vita Blue would make versus what Carl Yastrzemski would make. And this guy could win the MVP this year. And the owners would say, well, we'll give you a $500 raise. And this one wins the MVP, so we'll give you a $10,000 race. There was nothing, there was no rhyme or reason. And because they couldn't go to the open market, this at least said, hey, you have to pay the guy at least what market value is to a degree. Now, I think when free agency came about, they should have done away with arbitration. That should have been part of it. They should have made free agency start earlier because then if someone makes a bad signing, you know, or overpay someone, suddenly that becomes, oh, hey, you, you, that 230 with 15 home runs, but this guy overpaid. So that's everyone with 230, 15 home runs comes the arbitrary. Yep, that's what the market says. Um, it means that one person's mistake becomes everyone's mistake. But arbitration had a purpose. And I think that purpose has gone away in the advent of free agency and that whole adversarial. You know, sometimes you want to – the players and the owners in baseball have had such acrimony over the years. And I wonder if you start removing some of the Jenga pieces of anger, like taking arbitration out. Like we don't – it's not part of the culture that when you start to play well, you have to sit in a room and listen to how you suck from the, from the team. Mm-hmm. The Diamondbacks circumvented that here. I would like to see more teams do that, but at least they're saying we're going to put together a team and we're going to try our best to get along. We'll try our best to make this be a good place and a place that maybe you'd want to stay and maybe you want to win. Yeah, and we think a major league service time, something that I would like maybe to see because when these players get drafted or whatever, they sign their four or five-year deals. Maybe we don't do arbitration once those deals are up. Within those four or five years when the player's in a minor league, 
That's their rookie contract. By the time they get called up after that rookie contract ends, they enter free agency. So if you want to get the best years of a player when they're young and they're cheap, you have to call them up quicker. You sign that five-year deal as a rookie getting drafted, and then they spend two years in the minor leagues. Now if you call them up, you get three years where they're super young on this cheap contract, and then after that third year, there's no arbitration. They just enter free agency. If you want to bring them back, you could do that. Maybe you do some kind of incentive like it's football where it's like, Maybe do a franchise tag or basketball where it's restricted for agency, where it's easier to bring them back. But I don't like the idea of arbitration. And like you said, yeah. it's basically two sides facing off, which I don't like. In basketball and football, there's better ways to bring your player back where it's like guaranteed that they're not going to leave without you having to basically face off like this is a, you know, Captain America Civil War. And you got the two Avengers, Captain America and Iron Man going against each other. Saw that movie last night for like the fifth time. So it's on my mind right now. So just get away with arbitration and let's get a more harmonious relationship because this is why there's such bad blood between front offices and players because we guys still do stuff like this where you get them in a room and they have to yell at each other it seems like such an antiquated system i think there's a better way to get the best bang for your buck from these young players without having to break the bank long term that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Come back for part two with Silly Baseball tomorrow. We talk a little bit more about the Corbin Carroll extension and how the D-backs are taking a page out the Atlanta Braves philosophy book. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day the Locked on Fancy Baseball podcast with Matt and Dom, who will keep you up to date with all the fancy baseball news and analysis you need all season long. As always... Come back tomorrow for more Dimex News coverage and insight. I probably already said that. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Deuces.